Let's all turn our Bibles to 1 John chapter 3. It's 1 John chapter 3. We're continuing our series here. Excuse me. I was singing out, out there, so. Thank you for the water. So just as a brief review, um, many of you, I think, if, if all, I think all of you guys have been uh, participating in our um, series here. But just to review, just to go through it, just get the context here. Chap- in chapter 1, we've established that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And this is the center truth, I believe, from, looking, from researching inside this book. I believe this is the center truth that the book surrounds itself on, that, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. The purpose of the book has two purposes, is for Christian fellowship and internal joy. And therefore, if we are open and honest with God, we will be exposed to his light, revealing our sin and mending our fellowship with God. So that's chapter one. In chapter two, when we are exposed to this light, this will inherently influence our actions. Therefore, following God's commandments by truly and sincerely loving others is an indication of our exposure to God's light. And not loving others is an indication of not being exposed to God's light. And that's our second chapter. And now we approach chapter three. Let's start here in the first verse. Behold. Now, you know, we see this first word, behold, and sometimes we look at the word behold as something like, oh, it's just an interjection, like, oh, like, hey, or wow, or something like that, like, oh, behold, but the behold here is an actual command. It, it's important because we're being told to behold or observe what is going to be said. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed on us, that we should be called the sons of God. If we are saved, something divine has been brought into our lives. We continue on, therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. And therefore the world doesn't know us in this way. It's divine, it's supernatural, it's not something of the world. So the world doesn't understand, um, really they can't understand our Christian life because they, they don't have the Holy Spirit. Everything that was previously stated in chapters 1 and 2 is now being brought into a larger context that something is different between those who are in a relationship with God and the unsaved. We live in a world that does not see itself the way that we can see the world. And we must therefore take into account consciously that there is a bigger picture than ourselves, which is why I've titled this message tonight is To See God's World. Let us pray. Dear Lord, graciously, Father, I thank you for tonight, Lord, and I uh, thank you uh, for bringing these guys to the church here and Obviously, they're not here for me, Lord. They're here for your word, Lord. Uh, but I do appreciate them coming, Lord, and uh, just their spirit to just hear, some, hear your words, Lord. And uh, I appreciate that, Lord. And just pray that, you know, from their faith, Lord, that they'd be blessed um, with your word, Lord. Just pray that people here tonight can take something from this message, Lord. And uh, I've, I've brought this uh, message to you, Lord, and uh, I've opened it up uh, to my heart, Lord. So I just pray that, you would uh, just use me, Lord. Um, I just pray to be all you and nothing about me, Lord. That would be all about your word, Lord, and what you um, want these guys to hear, Lord. Lord, pray that uh, the words spoken tonight um, will be only what you want to be said. And I just pray that they would remember uh, these words and that would take them to heart and apply them. Work in my speech, Lord, and just pray that my presentation will be clear and, uh, and found and fashioned in a way, sorry, that will... It will explain and will express the importance of this message. 
Lord, we love you, and we pray these things in your name. Amen. We continue on here now in verse 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. See, if you're saved, you have a future with God. And to many, this is used as an excuse to do nothing until he returns. But this is not why God gave us this hope. If you look at the bigger picture, a future home in heaven encourages us to purify ourselves. God's perfect design is for us to have a perfect bodies without sin. And therefore, pursuing those in the world right now would make life better. And also, if there's no hope that there's no hope that we would be purified, it would be up to us to be holy. And when we fall short, we can become discouraged to give up. But you will be sinless one day, and God has the power to make you holy. To make you holy. In John 14, verses 1 through 3, it says, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. And this is Jesus talking. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. In Matthew 6, 19 through 20, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Sometimes you get the idea that, you know, because of this hope in heaven, we don't have to, you know, live really consciously, or we don't have to, you know, pursue God. But really, the future of a future home in heaven encourages us, and that's God designed for it to actually encourage us to be more pure and to be holy uh, for, you know, for the future, for his word. When we are not purifying it ourselves, it is showing that we are not looking at the future in the right way. Let me ask you, uh, when do you work the hardest? Do you a week before a project is due or the night before? And this is because another party, maybe a teacher or an employer, and our responsibility to that party are more apparent to us. If Jesus' second coming to bring us into heaven was more apparent to us, we would show more love for others and for God. If someone were to look at your actions, what would what um, if someone were to look at the action? Sorry, if someone were to look at your actions, what would he say about your hope in heaven? Are you trusting what is eternal, or are you trusting what is temporary? We move on here now to verse four. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. See, the world was once captured and uh, well I would say that we as individual um, non-believers were once captured by sin in Romans 5 12 through 14 it says wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned for until the law sin was in the world but sin is not imputed when there is no law nevertheless death reigned from Adam to Moses even over them that have not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression who is the figure of him that was to come. Continue on here now. Sorry, what's my place here? Verse 4. And sorry, verse 5. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. But Jesus came and paid for our sin. And continue on this passage in Romans here. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. 
For if through the offense of one may be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation. But the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, talking about Adam and really saying working into Adam to pass sin to all of us, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. So, you know, we, you know, ever since Adam sinned, and, you know, all, you know, you guys are a Sunday night crowd, you know, all of you guys are familiar with this, but, you know, ever since Adam sinned, we have this sin nature. And then Jesus came, when he died on the cross, he made a relationship with him available. And praise the Lord for that. And this is a great story and part of really the best story ever told. But in your life, where does that story lead? Whosoever abideth in him, this is verse 6, sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. See, Jesus, who was all-powerful and was the holiest, in the holiest of all places, came down to earth as a babe and died a gruesome death on the cross. And if you're the only one to ever receive Jesus in your heart, he would still die for you. And we see from this past, we see a story of, really, our story starts with God. And our, our Christian story starts with Jesus Christ. Will the story of your conformity to Jesus Christ, and, or sorry, you know, where, where does the story go? You know, you have, you know, Jesus, you know, we have this amazing story of Jesus Christ. You know, he died for your sins. He died for you so that really he could purge you from your sins. And then you receive Jesus Christ and what happens after that? If you think of this progression and if you look back, do you want to say at the end of your life that you made steps to be closer to him all the way to the end? Because sometimes, you know, so I'm, I'm looking at two things here. And in this passage, we see that, we have a hope in heaven that encourages us to be holy and to be used by God to love others. And then we have Jesus on Calvary from the past that also encourages us to be holy and to love others. We have both here, John is explaining two sides, really, that we have from all from history past, we have Jesus working in our hearts when we are saved. And then in the future, that we have this hope of heaven that encourages us to be sanctified. But why don't we? And I appreciate Pastor, you know, preaching the message this morning. He talked about the things to depend on. He talked about looking back to Calvary, looking up at the throne of God, and looking forward to heaven or to the second coming. And that ties right along with this. So I thank you for that, Pastor. And so we move on now to verse 7 here. Little children... Let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for a seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. See, there is a great spiritual war going on in America, in the world, and in your heart. 
Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. Continue on. Put on the whole armor of God that he may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in its high places. The world you exist in right now, while it appears physical, there is a continuous spiritual warfare going on. And there are two sides to this war. There is a side that is ruled by Satan, and there's a side that is ruled by the Lord, by our Lord. Each of their objectives is to take as many souls as possible. God wants to bring as many souls to heaven as he can, and Satan wants to take as many souls down to hell with him as he can. The unsaved are the fruit of Satan's work when Satan first brought sin to Adam and brought down to everyone. And the saved are the fruit of God's work. And so we have this, you know, to to look at God's world, to look at, you know, in a bigger perspective here, we have these two teams. And see, when I was little, I used to play soccer. And, you know, I used to play soccer every night. Also, I had, like, you know, a lot of energy. Maybe you guys can see that, maybe not. I don't know. But no, I just added this a lot of energy. And many times I was not really paying attention to what was around me. And I just, I really, you know, I love playing offense. I just wanted to shoot that goal. The ball came to my feet. You know, I was just playing. The ball came to my feet. I immediately started running. You know, I was going down. I was dribbling down. And I was so excited. I was like, oh, there's the goal. I'm, I'm like, you know, going right for it. You know, I hear some, you know, yelling behind me, whatever. And, you know, I go. And then, like, I mean, no, I mean, no one's, like, even getting me. I was like, okay, whatever, you know. Boof, I got the goal. And then I turn around and you know, some of my teammates are laughing on the floor. Some of them are, you know, yelling at me. I shot at the wrong goal. <laughs> I was so excited. I got the ball and I was like, oh man, this is great. And, and then, but I shot the ball on the wrong side. And I actually mean, the rules are, it doesn't matter who hits it. I mean, if the ball goes on the other goal, you know, they get the point. You know, I literally walked, like dribbled the ball across the field into my opponent's goal. But what about us? See, we can be saved. We can be on God's side. But sometimes we can bring negative, negative points on our side and more points on Satan's side. Sometimes we'll ask, why is there evil in the world if God is so good? Well, because man has free will. People's wrong decisions is ultimately the reason why bad things happen. And we may also wonder, why not everyone is saved if God loves everyone? All is because Christians have a free will to not share the gospel. When you neglect the opportunity to share the gospel, you may be the last person that would have shared the gospel with them. And granted, the choice is ultimately up to the unsaved, but not sharing the gospel will not give them that opportunity. And sometimes you'll ask, man, I've witnessed to so many people, you know, I've, you know, I've told the gospel to so many people, I mean, they just, they never receive it. Well, I mean, what about, that? what about that person? I mean, you don't know that. I think we'll, one day we'll, you know, we'll come to the you know, throne of God you know, at the end of our lives and we'll give an account for what we've done for the Lord. And I mean, I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but I can imagine, you know, as, as we're looking at my life, you know, God might say, hey, Justin, you remember when you know, I tugged your heart about witnessing to that person? 
I've been, you know, he's been struggling with this in his life, you know, whatever. He was going about to go into a divorce, and he was just, his heart was so tender. He didn't know what to do. If you, if you literally just said, hey, Jesus loves you, he would have asked more about it, and you could have shared with him, and he would have accepted the gospel. Do we know what's going to happen in the future? Bad things happen into the bad things happen in the world because of what sinners do. You have the ability to negatively impact your world by not sharing the gospel. When God has positioned you for his cause and you don't act on it, you're hurting his cause. When the Spirit tugs you to do something, that's not all that God was doing. You know, God doesn't just work with the Holy Spirit, He's sovereign in the background, working around the scenes. And if the Spirit has been, you know, the Spirit tugs you about something, and I mean, not just sharing the gospel, while the gospel is you know, crucially important, but I mean, just being nice, just saying, hey, you know, how's your day? You know, is there anything I can do for you? You know, when the Spirit tugs in your heart to do that, you know, that, that's, that's not the only thing that the Spirit was, that God was, was doing. You know, God is sovereign, you know, in the world. He's working out things in the world. He could have, you know, he might have brought to you to that place just for that purpose. He might have been tugging on that person's heart about something else for a period of time before that, bringing you guys alignment together so that you can be an encouragement to him or you can share the gospel with him or you can just say, hey, you know, want to hear a Bible verse that I heard today? Something. And then the breaking point, because we have a free will, is found in us. Now, granted, God is graceful and merciful and God, I mean, God can still work even when you make mistakes. But like, say, for example, the gospel, you know, we can see from the world that God doesn't promise everyone will be saved. And you know, we, look, we look at, you know, we look at the government, we look at, you know, our country right now, we look at the world where it's at right now. And sometimes we blame the world for what's happening. But I mean, ultimately, ultimately, they don't I mean they haven't had the gospel. They haven't been, they haven't heard the word of word of the Lord. You know, when you, you know, talking about this light, when when you have a light and you and you what are, you're going into a dark room and you have a light, you know, no matter how big that dark room is, or no matter how dark that room is, the light is always gonna shine. Darkness can't overwhelm light. The only reason that there's darkness in the world is because there's no light to shine on it. And I'm encouraging you guys with the gospel in terms of you know sharing the gospel with unbelievers, which is which is which is a, I mean, incredibly important. You know, God loves everybody. We can also live out the gospel with other believers, with fellow believers to support them. You, know, you can you can make a believer's day, or you could, you know, you could help. You can help someone who's saved, who, were, who was once, you know, they were struggling with something, and then turn them around by anything that means it's the Spirit, right? God knows, God knows everything. And the Spirit can, can lead you to do something great in someone else's life. And it's not, it's, I mean, it's not about how much we can perform or how much we can do. You know, you know if, we, if we were to go back to the first two chapters of 1 John, you know, it's, it's, it's all about just surrendering your heart to the Lord, and just giving your heart to the Lord and just letting, you know, when, when there's sin in your life, when there's sin in your heart, you can, just, you can just give it to God and you can just 
bring it to God and you can be confident that God will cleanse your heart and God will lead you in the right direction. Let's continue on now in verse 10 here. And this, the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth is not his brother. When you're ignoring the change God is trying to make in your heart, this will influence your actions, which will hurt God's cause. The spiritual war is the big picture we must keep in our mind. Verse 11. For this is the message that we heard from the beginning, that ye should love one another. Not as Cain, who was that wicked one, and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. See, I believe everyone can try hard enough in life if you put what they want in front of them. Cain was after self-righteousness. But Abel was after God. They were both producing good things, you know, meat is good, vegetables, you know, Cain was producing, you know, fresh vegetables and fruit. Those are both good things, but Cain's was not what God wanted. I believe anyone can be kind if they want to be kind enough. But if you want to change someone's life with God's love, you need to be sincere. What was Cain's reaction when God rejected his offering? Genesis 4 or 5 here, you don't have to turn there. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. You know, talking about Abel. And Cain talked with Abel's brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother. And slew him. See, Cain, you know, God told Cain, Cain, you have the opportunity to just stop what you're doing. You know, don't be so concerned about what you can do, what, how much you can perform. You know, look, you know, look at all these, you know, crops you can produce. I mean, that's simply not what I want. Just follow Abel's example and give me the sacrifice that I desire. Sometimes we can be caught up into, you know, doing things that we believe is righteous in our own power, in our, our own will. Maybe I'll feel better about myself if I, you know, come up to somebody and I act all cheery and everything like that. Maybe I'll, you know, maybe I'll just go to someone and say something nice to them just so that I can feel better about myself, so I can be content with myself. But then when someone comes to me and says, hey, you know, I noticed me, like so, someone who really cares about my spirituality, and they come to me and they say, hey, I noticed, you know, you were, maybe I, you know, well, maybe they ask me, what you know, did you get in your Bible reading this morning? They want to keep me accountable of my Bible reading. And all of a sudden I get offended and I'm like, well, I mean, you're not supposed to ask what I read and stuff like that. You know, when, like perhaps I didn't read the Bible and I get all offended. But why do I get offended by that? It's not about what I can do, right? It's not about what I can perform. It's about just me being closer to the Lord. David says that I delight in thy law. He delights in the law of God. He's not after, you know, how good he can feel good about himself or how much good he can do for other people. While that's what the Bible commands, the reasoning for that is to honor God and to be closer with God and be used for God's purpose. And that's why I believe that out of the heart, the mouth speaketh. That's why I believe that 
out of, you know, the way we follow God's commandments is a reflection of our heart. It's because, you know, just the way we think. You know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll be doing good, but as soon as something, you know, comes against that or maybe someone, you know, pricks at my ego, I can, I can be prideful about my spirituality, you know. I can be prideful about it. I can be, wow, I'm, I'm so humble. <laughs> but then, but, but you know what? The, an indication of pride is when someone comes to me and said, hey, that didn't look like a humble action. And then all of a sudden I start defending myself. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Or I might even get like a little angry. I might get wroth like Cain. And then look what happened to Cain afterwards. And I, I mean, you can interpret this as what happened to Abel, but this also happened to Cain as well. Cain's from his hate turned to murder. When we keep sin in our hearts and when we don't repent, it grows. Now in verse 13. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. We know that we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. You know, we look at, say, like, look at this marvel not, you know, this verse 13. You know, it's not surprising when the unsaved are hateful. But we know in verse 14 that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Those who are saved are supposed to be the ones loving each other. In John 13, 34, And a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. And whosoever, you know, verse 15 again, whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. When you sin unrepented, closed off to God's working, you'll, like, uh, you'll end up like a Cain. To God, hate and murder are the same kind of problem. They're not, they're not the same problem, but they're the same kind of problem. In Matthew 5, 21 through 22, you have heard, and this is Jesus talking, that it is said by them of old time, thou shalt not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Hate, if unrepented, will lead to murder. See, God, you know, in terms, you know, we have this impact that we have in the world. You know, like sharing the gospel, you know, being a blessing to other people. It impacts the world around us. And if we want to be used by God, we need to do good things. But, but again, you know, it's all about the heart issue because we can't do righteousness by ourselves. We can't do good by ourselves. We need to have an open heart for the Lord. And when our heart is open to God's working, not, not saying that you're perfect, but when you're honest with yourself and when you're honest with God, you say, God, it, it doesn't matter you know, what I feel about myself. Lord, I just want to be closer to you. God can expose your heart, and God can make you do right things, and he can lead you. Now in verse 16, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. 
But whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Because Jesus has given us an example, we are without excuse. We are the ones who know God, not the unsaved. Real love does not just say comforting things, but is not afraid to stop what he is doing to help someone in need. I think so many times, you know, out in Lancaster, when, you know, we're driving around Lancaster, we see, like, so many, like, there's a lot of homeless people out there. A lot of people with cardboard signs, and, you know, shame to myself, you know, I, I haven't just stopped and, you know, given love to that person. I mean, you can say, oh, man, he's going to, you know, he's going to use it for whatever he's going to use it for his want. But, I mean, what if you just buy a sandwich, you know, cut it in half, unwrap it, whatever, so he can't sell it or anything, and then give it to him? Sometimes we make excuses for, you know, not doing good. And like this verse says in um, verse 17, but whoso hath his world's good and see this brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? How can you say that you have a close relationship with God? How can you say that you, you and God are, you know, are like this if you're not willing to, you know, stop by and give someone a, just, just do the littlest thing for someone. And you may say, oh, yeah, I know, it's, it's not a big deal, you know, just going out, doing my thing. But again, we're, we're not just looking at our actions, we're looking at our heart. And we're looking at how we follow the commandments, how that impacts the world, in terms of how does that reflect what's inside of our heart. What's inside your heart? The world and other Christians are in a desperate need of love. And I think especially so today. Christians can be discouraged about the future. And unsaved have no idea what's going on. And this is an ample opportunity to share the gospel. Be a blessing to other believers. To be used by God in a great way. But so many times we get caught up in just what we're doing. And even though we don't think, you know, we may not think about it as much, but again, if, you, if you're not thinking about other people, if you're not thinking about what other, you know, what other people's needs are besides your own, how does that reflect what's in your heart? Because sometimes we can make the excuse, oh, I mean, I, didn't, I just didn't think about it. You know, it didn't cross my mind. Well, why didn't it cross your mind? But this book is also offering a life that does not need to be ashamed. Verse 18, we see, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but indeed in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. See, if we're open, if we have a burden in our heart when we're open, we can just bring it to God. And God will, God will do something with it. If we're, if we're just open to what God is going to do in our lives, whenever something convicts us in our heart, whenever something you know, wrong happens, you know, something you know, like, oh, I mean, like, maybe we feel guilty, maybe we feel convicted, I don't know, is it right? Am I feeling right right now? You know, we can just come to it with God and say, God, what do you think? You read God's word, we pray to him, what does God settle in my heart? And God says, you know, God can say, well, you know, Justin, you know, that, 
you know, that conviction, you're, that conviction is a good, I'm glad you had that conviction. Please, you know, turn the other way and just repent. I'm like, oh, great. No, you know, I can feel, I can, I can just have that resolved. Or maybe it's, maybe it's a guilty feeling. Maybe I'm, I'm not supposed to have it. Maybe I'm just, you know, I'm having the wrong feeling for the wrong reason. I come to God with it. God says, no, Justin, you're just feeling self-guilty. You know, don't worry about it. And I have that resolved. But then if my heart doesn't condemn me, if, my, if I don't get that conviction in my heart, then, then I'm good. But if I, we're not open, if I'm not open, we will hide our burdens away, the burdens in our heart away, whether we are doing right or not. And then we just suddenly become confused because, you know, maybe we're not feeling it right now, but, you know, we, we, had, you know, we had this conviction in our heart that we put away, and we're unsure, oh, am I doing the right thing? Am I not doing the right thing? And we get confused because we're, we're simply not bringing it to God. We see, when you live, when you live open to God's working, you can be confident that you're in God's will. See, a Christian, you know, a Christian can be confident that he's in God's will. Do you know that? A Christian can be confident in that. You're not sinless. I'm not saying sinless. A Christian can be confident that he is doing what God has told him to do. And it, so that said, that's an encouragement, but it's also an exhortation that, you know, do you feel confident in that? And if you don't feel confident in that, what are you holding back from the Lord? What are you holding back from your heart? What is God telling you to do in your heart right now? What is God prompting your heart to do for his purpose and will, for his grand plan? And if we're open, you can live a free life knowing that God is using you. You don't have to make excuses for what you do. You don't have to be bound up with your sin. You will see, and what I think is the best of all, that you will see God work in your life in a miraculous way. And verse 22 And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. And see, when you have this kind of relationship with God, and this this isn't like a self-exalting position. This is just being humble before the Lord. This is just depending on him to shine his light in your heart. When When I'm just humble before God, I can be in a place where my affections are in the right place. I want to do what's right. I want the right things to happen. I'm going to love a fellow believer, and I'll give it to God, and I'll say, you know, God, you just, you just, just help this person. You'll help them go through this struggle, and God can answer that prayer. There was one time last semester, I mean, I didn't write this in my notes, but there was a time last semester, I had a good friend of mine, and his, his dad was going through a really really harsh, um, he'd been going through, his dad was going through a lot in health for like years. And it was this semester that, you know, it was really getting, it was really getting serious. And, you know, we didn't, you know, we didn't know what was going to happen. And, you know, he came up to me and he was like, hey, Justin, you just pray for me for this. And I prayed with him. And the Lord laid something in my heart, you know, to pray, you know, to pray for him and to pray for his dad. And, and I prayed, I mean, I was, I was, I got into a prayer closet and I started praying and I was like, you know, God really just, you know, really just help his dad, you know, really help him. And I was, I was imagining a scenario with like Abraham, where Abraham is, you know, talking about Sodom and Gomorrah, where God keeps on, you know, Abraham keeps on praying to God, you know, a fair adventure, you know, one will be righteous. And they're kind of going back and forth. I kind of had this thing where I was just praying to God. I was like, you know, God really, you know, help his dad. But, you know, God, you know, God was speaking to my heart and saying, you know, Justin, this is, this is his time. 
And I, I was almost, I mean, I didn't want to argue. No, I don't want to say I was arguing with him, but I was kind of going back and forth. I was like, well, God, I mean, like, you know, would you be able to please, you know, help his dad? And, you know, okay, I'm not going crazy. I don't have, like, multi-personality disorder. But, you no, know, it's just, you know, just, you know, God was laying these truths in my heart as I was praying to the Lord. And I was like, you know, God, you know, just really help his dad. You know, help his dad. And you know, God said, you know, God, you know, Justin, this, you know, this, this is his time. He laid that in my heart. And at the end of the prayer, you know, I gave in. I gave him to God. And because of that, I had a confidence in what was happening in the future. I knew this is what God wanted because I settled it with him. Later that day, actually, no, it was a couple days later, you know, he came up to me and was like, yeah, you know, Justin, yeah, my dad passed away. And I was, I was ready for it. I encouraged him. I was like, hey, you know, man, just, you know, gave him a couple Bible verses and, you know, just like, hey, you know, just, you know, pull through and, you know, just, just being his friend. You know, just a little sign. This isn't what the message is about. But, you know, if someone's going through a grieving, and I'm, you know, a lot of you guys are older than I am, so you guys should know this. But, you know, a lot of people just appreciate you being there rather than just what you can say to them. You know, you know when someone's going through a grieving process, they just, most of the time, they just want you to be there and just be an encouragement to them. Um, so I just encourage you guys with that. But I was ready for it. But I, I don't think I would have been ready if I didn't pray that to, to the Lord. And that was an answer to the prayer that I gave to God. See, God doesn't promise that everything you'll give to God will, will be answered the way you see it. But when you have, and I'm not talking about you're just having this spiritual status or whatever. When you, when you are open to God, and when you are willing for God to work in your life, when you read his word, when, a word is, when his word is a part of your life, when you're humble before God, and I'm, I'm not like this all the time, and I like it a lot of the time, but when you're humble before the Lord, you have a real relationship with him. It's real. You know, the Christian life is a real relationship with the Lord, right? And you can have that. As a Christian, you can have a real relationship with him. Verse 23, and this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of the son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. You know, this is talking about the two greatest commandments here. You know, love God with you know, all your heart, with all your might, just everything you have, and then love your neighbor as yourself. And he that keepeth his commandments, verse 24, dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given us. Having nothing, and this, this is what living for God as a Christian is all about. Having nothing between you and him, being a conduit of God's working and changing the world with him. Sometimes we have these doubts and you know, we'll close soon. Sometimes we have these doubts as a Christian. Sometimes it may even get to the point where we're unsure if we're saved. Like, oh man, am I saved? No, I don't, I don't feel you know, God's working or anything like that. Maybe we don't have the emotion. But let me encourage you guys that when you're just, and again, I'm not talking about some kind of exalted spiritual position. I'm not talking about you know, just having you know, just you know, whatever, some status in approaching God. When you're just humble, when you just let, when, you, when you're 
and I'm, I'm going to say this for every part of this book, because this is what it's all about. You know, God is holy, and in him is no darkness at all. And God is all light. If there's any darkness in your heart, if there's anything that you're not honest with yourself in your heart, that's not, God's light isn't shining in that. God's light isn't in it. And then until you are completely honest with yourself and willing to accept that, there's wrong in your life. And I think we can all say that there's wrong in your life, but sometimes we can, there's certain wrongs in our life that we won't give to God. Maybe we're, you know, maybe we have a grudge against someone and we're, we, we justify it by, oh, that person annoys me all the time. Or maybe, you know, wife or husband, you know, wife, you know they, they always do this one thing. I'm not married, I don't know what it's like. But no, they always do, they always do this one thing and it bugs me. But when can you just give that to the Lord? When can you just give it to him? When you have nothing, and I'm saying it's possible, when you have nothing that you're holding back from God and you're just willing for God to work in your heart, God can do something amazing in your life. We are living in a world and a culture where we, we, we hold back from responsibilities. Like we... we we claim that we, there's responsibilities that we don't have. That, oh, I'm not responsible for the outcome. I'm not responsible for what's around me. This, this church, you know, just, just the people in this room right now, what if each of us started knocking on doors and said, hey, have you heard about Jesus Christ? Jesus loves you. If, if we just started doing that, if every person, say if every person did just five doors, I don't know how many people. I'll just say, guess around 20, 15, 20. If we did that every week, we could, we could reach, you know, we could reach a, lot of, a lot of Torrington. Now, the church, I'm going on a rabbit trail here, but this is really important, guys. This is really important. And please bear with me. The church has an opportunity to be a light in this dark world. And when we aren't, so like when we're not open to the Lord, when we're holding, holding in our sin, that's going to influence what we do. Now, chapter two. And then chapter three, when we don't do what God does, that negatively impacts the world. Please jump on God's side. You know, you're on God's team, but, you know, please shoot in the right goal. Shoot in the right goal, and you can find a fulfilling wholesome life. I'll bring it to pastor.